Hello and welcome to this episode of the Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body. Hello, welcome to this Talent Parent Programme podcast episode. This episode is part of a three-part mental health series. In another part of this series, we talk about promoting self-care to children and helping them to develop proactive coping skills. In this part, however, we're going to talk about how to speak to your child if you have a concern about them and might be worried that they're not coping with stress or otherwise struggling with their mental health. So joining myself today is Louise Ramsdale. Louise is the Canoe Slalom Central Regional Development Squad Coach and also a mental health first aider. Hi, Louise. And we've also got Sophia Campbell, who is the safeguarding lead and member of the mental health team of British Canoeing. Hi, Soph. Hi, Dan. Thanks for the intro. I'm really pleased to be having this conversation with you guys today. And I know it must be really difficult for parents when they're thinking about this topic. And it can be quite worrying when you've got a concern about a child and you don't necessarily know whether the behaviour you're witnessing in your child is is normal or not. So I'm hoping we can help parents uh, reflect on that today and give a bit of advice along those lines. So um, I'm interested, Louise, as a as a coach that works with children and as a parent yourself, why do you think this is an important topic? Why did you want to be involved in this podcast? Um, I think um, as a national statistic, we're seeing an increase in the incidence of, of poor mental health amongst young people, particularly. Um, so I think it is sort of coming to the forefront of the mind more and more. Um, and I think um, working in the role that I do, like I'm trying to help young people to, to be their best, both within sport and give them skills that will help in their wider lives. So I think mental well-being is a big part of this. Building on what you just mentioned there, Louise, as a coach working with children, how do you try to create that environment that helps them to understand the importance of mental health and, and looking after themselves? Um, well, I think sports psychology is, has always been a, a key part of our programme. We work with volunteer psychs to help develop skills for use in training and in competition with the athlete. But I think over the last couple of years, and particularly with the impact that COVID's had, it's definitely brought mental well-being more to the forefront of my thinking. Um, I definitely noticed during periods of, of lockdown and restrictions that certain athletes having sort of low points, um, obviously sort of brought on with all the changes they were experiencing, changes to their school life, loss of interaction, and um, not being able to go out and do the training that they normally would, loss of racing, etc. Um, and it seemed to affect different people at different times. So some people were more affected in the beginning when it was all so unknown and obviously quite worrying. Whereas others seemed to do quite well. But then when we went backwards into restrictions, that was when they started to struggle more. Um, so I think I found it quite important over that time to keep reinforcing the key messages of taking care of their mental well-being as best they could. So trying to trying to keep social connections going even if they couldn't go out and meet other people could they do this over social media um having more sort of phone calls video calls with people um and things like exercising regularly trying to have a routine eating and sleeping well having something to focus on 
So we suggested like, obviously canoeing is, is something that they do, but if, as they weren't able to dedicate as much time to this, like trying to learn a new skill as, as something to distract them and give them something to focus on. Um, so over the, the kind of times, particularly when we we're in lockdowns, we tried to stage activities and online workshops to keep athletes engaged, um, particularly when we couldn't meet in person with them. Yeah, that, that's great. Going back to kind of what you said, that we've had a, a really difficult couple of years um, nationally and um, the fact that um, what, what you've done um, with your squad and being able to stage those activities and uh, for the youngsters is really, really important. Um, during this podcast, we're going to sort of talk about a couple of charities and organisations that, that could be useful for um, parents to look at and, and help, help them along the way. Um, I'm going to introduce one charity. I'm going to talk about one charity at the moment, and that's the Young Minds Charity. They're a UK leading charity fighting for children and young people's mental health. Their mission is to make sure that all young people can get the mental health support that they need when they need, no matter what. And they've got some four top tips um, for parents, which we'll sort of talk about in this podcast. But uh, the first top tip is around don't ignore worrying symptoms. So um, coming to you now, Soph, what sort of worrying symptoms might a child display? So that's quite a, a tricky question, really, because with mental health, it, there is such a broad spectrum of conditions that a child can experience. And symptoms are inevitably going to vary depending on what the condition or concern might be in each child. Um, I think it's it's important to note that probably the main symptom you should look out for is some kind of behavioural change, which is not very specific, but there are a few themes that we might tend to look out for, which would be things like low mood, periods that feel um, quite emotional and a child not being themselves, um, things like outbursts or having shorter temper than normal, um, Issues with sleep are quite common, so whether that's sleeping more than usual or having trouble getting to sleep or poor quality of sleep. And any signs around becoming withdrawn or not seeming to enjoy the activities that they might normally enjoy. Um, I'm very conscious that what I'm describing probably sounds quite normal for some teenagers at times. And, and that's true, you know, not, not all of these things are going to be symptoms of a serious mental health condition they are going to be normal at times but it's it's more noticing when those things become quite significant or prolonged over a period of time that you might start to be concerned yeah yeah absolutely yeah i um can sort of see what you're saying there and um your parent understands and knows their child so they'll they'll kind of understand when, when they might be displaying more worrying symptoms so how can a parent differentiate between behaviour that's normal for a teenager and what's not? Yeah, so it is a hard one. And I think things like mood swings are inevitably a part of growing up. It's very common in, in adolescence. Um, and that's associated with all the changes that young people are going through at that time in their life. That's not just physical and hormonal, but it is also emotional and just such a volume of social changes that they're experiencing and trying to manage and adapt to. 
And I know the parent programme has looked at the adolescent brain in a previous webinar. So that's a really good point of reference. I'd recommend people looking at that because it really helps describe the uh, neurological differences between a young person and adolescent and an adult might help um, help explain some of those differences and challenges you might be experiencing with your teenagers. Um, but I think the, the key message I want to get across on this really is to just encourage communication and like young minds are advising to, to not ignore those worrying symptoms. And there is a, a good chance that they're, they're normal and that the child uh, is not going to experience a prolonged period of, of mental health issues. Um, but the more you can talk about that, the better. And it helps you to gain that more information from the child to make a bit of a call on what, what you think is going on. Um, you don't have to be an expert to talk about mental health. I think sometimes um, people think they shouldn't even approach the subject and people can be quite worried about making things worse. But the reality is that um, everyone has mental health and it's very unlikely that you're going to cause any problems by trying to talk about it. And I'm sure parents would always approach this kind of conversation sensitively. And something I also notice working with young people these days is that actually they are pretty literate of mental health. I think more so than we, we are in our generation or older adults. So it doesn't need to be quite as worrying as you might feel. And, and actually having that conversation, you, you're hopefully just building that trust and your relationship with them and making them feel more confident and comfortable talking to you whether that they're experiencing something at the moment or maybe they will in future. It's always a positive to have that conversation. Yeah, thanks. And I can imagine it can be quite tough for parents to talk to their child about their mental health. As often, I'd imagine there's high emotions involved on, on both sides. But how can parents start that conversation, um, Louise? What, what do you think to that? I think trying to create the right environment to have that conversation is really important. Um, obviously, it wants to be somewhere fairly private and quiet where you're not going to be distracted. Um, you also might want to think about whether having a face-to-face like -face conversation could be a bit intense and might stop the child from opening up. Sometimes it might be easier to have these conversations in a situation where you're more forced to be kind of side-by-side -side rather than um, facing each other so for example going for a walk or whilst you're driving in the car might be a, a good opportunity um, consider the mood of the, the young person as well whether they're in the right frame of mind to have that conversation and the time that you've got available to have it because it's not something that you want to rush um, make sure that you're you're calm and you can give them the full attention maybe not asking too many questions of them um, but kind of explaining what you've noticed that's worrying you um, and then listening to what they've got to say um, and trying to emphasise with them rather than trying to problem solve straight away. Oh, that's important. Yeah, it's, it's so important to let the child talk um, because often trying to problem solve too soon, especially when you don't have all the information, can kind of be more harmful than good, really, because... Often the child just wants to let it out and be heard and feel some care and support from you. I think it's important if you're 
preparing to have a conversation like this that you're also preparing yourself to hear something that you as a parent might find hard to hear um it's not nice to hear your child struggling in any way so just um be prepared to hear that and try and keep in mind that um your role in this conversation is to to listen and to try and stay calm and help your child feel safe to open up um, but at the same time you might hear things that don't seem hugely significant um, but it's just always important not to minimize what your child is experiencing or saying to you and just bear in mind that their life experience is very different to your own and the things that are important in their life will be very different to what are important to us as adults um, and, and not to belittle that in any way um, and really take what they're saying seriously. There's some great, great tips from both of you there. But what, what if the child doesn't actually open up at all? I think it, it is difficult for teenagers to open up. Um, so it might be something where you need to sort of try again. So maybe reflecting on the conversation that you've had and anything that you could do differently to then try again, like maybe the next day or not too long after. Sometimes they need a bit of time to process your questions and their feelings, and they might be a bit more receptive to it if, if you ask again. Yeah, it reminds me of what we see in some of the mental health campaigns on TV and the kinds of things that I promote with the senior athletes and coaches that I work with in British canoeing, which is the concept of just asking twice. Uh, it sounds really simple, but you'd be surprised what a difference it can make when you ask someone how they're doing. You inevitably initially get the response, I'm fine or something like that. But actually asking again, and showing that person that you've got the time to listen and that you genuinely want to hear what's going on for them um, really does make a difference and people are far more likely to feel safe to, to open up and to help, and that helps them process what they're going through. I think with young people particularly, there's probably a bit of a concern with opening up to a parent around just not wanting their parent to be upset by what their child might be going through or feeling ashamed or not wanting to burden their parent with um, some tough things they might be experiencing. So I think it's important for a parent to really reassure their child that, that their parents are there for them, their support networks are all there for them and there is help available. I think children often don't realise the, the treatment and the help available for mental health conditions and might just assume it's something they have to try and deal with alone. Um, so asking, asking again, as Louise is describing, um, just hopefully makes it easier for them to open up. And there is a difference, I think, between telling a child, oh, come and, come and find me if you're struggling, I'm here for you, which is great. But I think if you can make the effort specifically to approach them again about it, you might have better luck at um, getting them to to speak to you than assuming they might come to you if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely um I think that asking twice concepts are actually a really really good concept and it, I suppose it also provides confidence to those youngsters that they're going to be listened to as well um so if a parent has a reason to think that there might be a mental health issue 
what should they do? Yeah, so mental health is is a spectrum and um, there, there will be times when people are at the at one end of the spectrum where actually they probably do need a bit of professional help. So it's important for parents to acknowledge that they, I mean, they might be professional mental health practitioners, but most of us are not mental health professionals um, and to not be afraid to, to reach out for some advice if you need it. That said, as I've described previously, often um, a period of poor well-being is not necessarily a, a clinical mental health issue. Um, and usually in those cases, just having a supportive parent and a good support network around a, a young person can be sufficient to help them process what they're experiencing and to start to learn some coping strategies and ultimately recover from that period of poor well-being. Um, but, but if a parent is still concerned and doesn't feel their child is improving, or perhaps the, the significance of the concern is so much that you feel you need to go and speak to a GP, then you should absolutely do that. And obviously you want your child to see a GP as well in that scenario, but you don't need to force that. If they are really adverse to that, you can go as a parent yourself and seek that advice on their behalf um, and potentially help encourage the child to go along with you the next time. Um, I also wanted to mention that there is a self-referral function by the NHS um, called IAPT, which we can share a link with with the podcast, um, which is just an ability for you to self-refer if you feel you might have a mental health condition um, to seek treatment, local treatments, rather than going through a GP and waiting for appointments through there. I also think we should probably mention Sporting Minds, which is a charity that can offer referrals for mental health support um, for athletes that are 16 to 30 and uh, have represented their sport at a competitive level. Again, we can share the details um, of that, but that is a free service and um, might complement anything you're doing with the GP. Well, was there anything else that you wanted to mention, Sarah? Uh, just that, as you've introduced, Dan, the website Young Minds um, has lots of great information and advice on there about how to get help or where to find some more information. And the NHS website, of course, has lots of useful information and it has some good YouTube videos as well that are really helpful for um, articulating certain mental health issues, whether that's for parents or for, for children. That's great. There's a, a lot of um, a um, lot of organisations and stuff that um, we parents can go to there. Um, I'm going to draw this podcast to a close now. Um, so um, just to summarise what, what both um, yourself, Sarf, and Louise, um, you, you've mentioned today, and we, we talked about the symptoms a child might display when they're worried, helping the parent differentiate between behaviour that's normal for a teenager and what's not, and then just talked around some key tips on how a parent can, can start that conversation with their child about mental health and and how to help their child if, if they are struggling. And so thank you both for being involved in today's podcast episode. Um, next time, we'll be talking in more detail about mental health conditions, how to get professional help, 
and the kinds of treatment that are, are available. So um, some of the resources and links that organisations that um, have been mentioned in this podcast will be put onto our Talent Parent Programme webpage on the additional information and resources section on that website. So this podcast is available on the British Canoeing Talent Parent Programme webpage on the podcast section of the website. It's also available to listen to on Spotify, Podbean or Apple Podcasts. Just follow British Canoeing Talent Parent Programme. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. Remember to review, rate and subscribe. Bye for now.